Today's guest is Penny Barron, a homeopath in the northern beaches of Sydney. She practices from the Harvard Homeopathic Clinic, one of the largest homeopathic clinics in Australia. Penny teaches homeopathy as well as supervising student clinics through a local Sydney college, and she's put a lot of energy and research into childhood behavioral issues as well as working with trauma support. Among the many and varied cases that have come her way over the past 18 years of practice, Penny has more recently developed a niche helping to support those suffering from Tourette's syndrome. Using constitutional homeopathic remedies for aiding in the individual effects of Tourette's syndrome, as well as nutritional support, plus a special weapon in the form of a potentized herb called clerodendron to combat ticks, the combination of treatments can have a significant outcome on the severity of Tourette's symptoms. Please forward this episode to anyone you know who is currently suffering with ticks or Tourette's. This episode is sure to give them a glimmer of hope. You can get in touch with Penny at hhcc.com.au. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we get to hang out with the lovely Penny Barron from Sydney. Welcome, Penny. Thank you, Eugenie. It's really good to be here. Well, I am really happy to have you on, and we've got lots of exciting things that we're going to be having a chat about today. But first off, can you please tell our listeners how you were first introduced to homeopathy? Yes. Well, when I was back at school, I knew I wanted to do something in the natural therapies, And my parents are very strong, conventional, intellectual types. So they wanted me to go to uni and and become a doctor or something like that. And I said, I remember saying to them, but I want to be a naturopath because I remember seeing a naturopath picking up her child from school and, you know, she was wearing all this floral stuff and everybody was kind of looking at her like, who's that freak? But I was looking at her like, oh, she's just, you know, and I used to mix up weird concoctions in the backyard and stuff anyway so uh, a few years later when I did go to uni I studied chiropractic because that was apparently less ugly boogly yeah (laughs) and after a couple of years I went to the other side and became or started studying a uh, naturopathy Mm. so in I think about second year Everybody had to study homeopathy or a little bit of it. And I remember all my naturopathic friends complaining about how they had to do this weird subject. I was one of them, by the way. You were one of them. Not in your college, but I was the same in my naturopathic. I tried to get out of my homeopathy paper. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I joined in. But at the same time, there was this little part of me. And I remember one of my colleagues at the health food shop where I worked came down the stairs after seeing a client. And she said, if I have to tell one more effing person to eat effing broccoli, I'm <laughs> going to explode. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's kind of how I feel. There's something about what I'm studying that's just not quite hitting the spot. And I'd fought so hard to get there. So anyway, first homeopathy lesson, within the first five minutes, I was like, this is it. This is it. (laughs) And um, so I just continued with homeopathy (laughs) and just loved every step of the way. 
Oh, that is so beautiful. And I so resonate with your story. It's, <laughs> it's exactly the same. Um, and tell us a little bit. So you, when, cause you, you also worked in health shops. I did my stint in health shops as well. I actually thought it was really helpful. I learned so much from that, but you yes. also ended up at the Harvard homeopathic clinic and we've had the lovely Lindley Jordan on and, um, as well. But how did you end up there? And you've been there for quite a while. She's actually my hero. And when I was in my final year of homeopathy, there was this girl in my class, we were good friends, and she had been offered a job doing admin by Lindley. And she couldn't because she was working in her parents' shop. So she asked me and I was like, oh, I'll give that a go. And I haven't looked back since. That's amazing. And did you say it was something like 20 years you've been there? 20 years. My daughter was two no, she was one. She was one year old Aww. and she's now turning 21 this year. Oh, that's gorgeous. Well, we're actually looking for a receptionist at the moment. So if I'm really lucky, I would love to get somebody like you to come and work, <laughs> to come and work with me. <laughs> Lindley is very lucky to have somebody like you that's worked with her for such a long period of time because you really get to know each other and how the other person works and how amazing for her to have, you know, sort of been taught you in all this time as well. Now oh, it's just a good place to work too. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Now, you have a special place in your heart for treating children with pretty complex health conditions. Tell Mm. us a little bit about your journey into that. And, and, uh, you know, specifically you were saying Tourette's and Pan and Pandas and ADHD, that sort of thing. How did you develop a special interest in that? Mm. Um, Initially, when I started working at the clinic, they focus a lot on ear issues. Mm. And so I've done a lot of ear treatments. But my true passion, especially once I'd had my kids and one of them has a behavioural issue, and I learned a lot very quickly about behavioural issues and decided that that's where I wanted to go. And I really resonated with that and also with the mums having to deal with the kids with behaviour issues. Mm. Uh, And after a while, I found myself, would have been about four years ago, just kind of skimming this group on Facebook about Tourette's And one of the women in that group contacted me because she wanted to try and work out a way to make a homeopathic potency or a potentized uh, preparation from this herb called Clerodendraminermi. And I don't know if you've heard of that. I hadn't. I saw when you emailed me through, I had never heard of that. So can you just say the name again? Yeah, it's Clerodendraminermi. And there's quite a few studies on it online. And it's got this amazing effect on ticks, specifically ticks, what I've come to find that are connected with pandas and pans Mm. onset Tourette's. So interesting. So this person mentioned it to you and then did you find, do you use it in homeopathic potency or? All the time. Mm. Yeah. For my Tourette's clients. One of the things, though, I um, haven't been able to get my hands on a herbal uh, tincture of it because it's just not available. Mm. And I've been making it up into a 1M potency or even 10M because Mm. what I found is those high potencies really work a lot better than the little 30Cs. They don't seem to do anything at all in a 30C. You can get it online in a 30C, but, yeah, I haven't really found it works that well. But alongside a constitutional remedy, which doesn't necessarily do the whole job, Mm. this plant seems to be a specific ticks brought on by pandas pans. 
That is so interesting. I wonder for our listeners that don't know too much about uh, PANS or PANDAS, we have had a couple of episodes on it and also maybe Tourette's. Can you tell them a little bit about what sort of symptoms you see in the clinic, uh, what sort mm. of things you find, you know, might be predisposed somebody to having these conditions and, and yeah, what do you yeah. see in clinic? It's really interesting. One of the issues that I've found is a lot of the parents will say, oh, yeah, they were fine. And then they got this illness. And then after that, they just were never quite the same since. Or they got a tick bite or they had some kind of a trauma. And sometimes mm. it can happen due to trauma. But what it does is either it, I don't know, switches on some kind of genetic process mm. or causes, there's a whole lot of theories, mm. but basically it causes a whole lot of behavioral changes. And so PANDAS is pediatric acute onset neuropsychiatric disorder associated with strep Mm -hmm. and then pans is the same thing but it can be basically any illness Mm -hmm. so not necessarily associated with a strep yeah Mm -hmm. that's right so most kids they cope with that fine but then there's this one little subset of kids that have these symptoms that come on afterwards Mm -hmm. so one of the symptoms that i've seen a lot of is a kid starting to wet the bed after being dry Mm -hmm. that's a big one and then there's, you know, like the rages, the OCD type situation where an OCD isn't just needing to straighten picture frames. It's also, you know, needing to take two steps forward and then tapping something mm-hmm. on the ground and then, mm-hmm. you know, doing a series of things. And if they can't do that, there's this sense of uh, everything's going to go wrong or the world's going to fall apart or mm-hmm. one of their loved ones will die. And there's all these beliefs around if they don't do it exactly the right way. Mm. And then, you know, there are the rages, the tantrums, just that feeling of nothing's right. It's not quite right. So there are a lot of uh, theories around it. So some people reckon it's to do with an autoimmune thing. So there's Mm. these broad spectrum uh, antibodies Mm. that get made and they do. Mm-hmm. And one theory is that the broad spectrum of antibiotics mm-hmm. <laughs> start to attack the brain tissue in certain areas, one of them, you know, for movement if mm-hmm. ticks are involved. Uh, there are other theories where there's this connection between the gut and the brain. So you've got leaky gut, right, and everybody kind of knows a little bit about mm. leaky gut where you've got the enterocytes and they're like the, the sort of guards standing mm. at the front. Uh, if those enterocytes aren't set together properly with their tight junctions, uh, then, you know, you've got these gaps between them and, and you've got things uh, getting through the gut that mm. shouldn't be. I mean, there's a whole lot of other stuff involved as well with that, but one of the issues is that there's this link, this embryonic link between the gut barrier and the blood-brain barrier. Mm. So if you've got leaky gut, it's likely you've also got leaky blood-brain barrier too. So it's not just about trying to get rid of the disease. You know, I know a lot of homeopaths will use, say, strep in potency to get rid of it because a lot of these kids, they get better when they go on antibiotics. Mm. So that is one of the treatments Mm. that they use but it doesn't really work because you've got to fix the terrain. Mm, Absolutely. 
Well, tell us a little bit about what some of the conventional options are. You mentioned the antibiotics, and I've had some clients with pans and pandas, and, you know, the kitties go on the antibiotics, and the ticks temporarily get better. But you know mm. what? A few months later, sometimes not even a few months, sometimes a few weeks, those ticks come back and worse. And now you have a gut that's been destroyed, and you have this kid with ticks that are even worse. And mm-hmm. if you keep going back to the pharmaceutical model, only thing they have to offer you is antibiotics. And um, I don't know, what, what other options, what other things have you found that your clients are on? What other sort of drugs? So clonidine and things like that. Uh, I don't know a huge amount about the um, the drug the drugs, options, mm-hmm. really, because that's something that I don't really go into. But yeah, ADHD they- drugs, mm. they go into that antidepressants mm. and all kinds of antipsychotics for the yeah. OCD, mm. anti-convulsant medication as well. Wow. It's just nuts. And some of the other ones are for uh, suppressing their inappropriate urges and things mm. like that. But they're mm. kind of antipsychotic-y type things. Yeah. So these kids are on really hardcore medications. Mm. And when you see these families coming into your clinic, what sort of questions do you ask them? Because, you know, when you mentioned about the uh, almost sort of like the religious OCD type things where mm. you have to tap this twice and then turn around and then do this. Otherwise, your family is going to die. And I remember one of my clients that I had and I asked these questions, you know, because this little girl had to tap the mum on the shoulder three times and had to uh, rub her sister's hair and then had to, you know, do like all these things before she could go to sleep at night. And mm. if something was done out of sequence or wasn't done incorrectly, she would get so upset and the whole thing would have to be done over again. And I asked the parents, do you know if she's ever mentioned anything about being fearful of any of you, you know, there being any harm happening to any of you if she doesn't do this? And I think the the mom was like really confused of why I'm asking this, but homeopathically speaking, there are certain remedy pictures that have this sort of like uh, superstition slash religious slash something attached to it. So what are some of the questions or some of the information that will be helpful to you as a practitioner so that when a family wants to come and see you, they know the types of things that's going to be helpful for you to prescribe? Yes, because we do ask such weird questions. Yes. <laughs> and I do like my clients to be warned mm. that I will be asking weird questions. For me, what I find I mean, I just let the consult just progress as it goes. But I, for me, I see that behaviour is such a huge part of it. So, yes, any behaviours, and I will ask the kid, usually what I find is with a lot of these kids, they don't want to really talk about mm, it. So mm. I find I like to talk to the mum yeah. or the primary carer. And the, the primary carer usually has that intimate knowledge of, all of that stuff and I can ask those weird questions and they know why I'm asking and things like, okay, tell me about the behaviour, what exactly happens and why. Mm. I I do want to know why and and Mm. we know in homeopathic medicine that the more we can get to the very core of what's happening and and why they're acting like that, what motivates them to act Mm. like that, what are their fears, what are some weird things that they do that, you know, we, we love all those rare, peculiar, weird symptoms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what we usually base our, our prescriptions on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The tricky thing also is if it, when it's your child, it's almost impossible for us to see something as unusual. So sometimes when you go to homeopath and we ask, you know, what is there anything unusual about their behavior or anything strange mm-hmm. or what really stands out? 
it is hard as a mum to, you don't know what's normal and what's not normal, especially if it's your first child or if you, you know, don't have any other kids to compare it with. But uh, so because what you see on a daily basis is just normal for you, but mm. uh, you kind of have to almost remove yourself from the situation, kind of pretend it's not your child, kind of go, okay, what does my child do? What is unusual? What's really standing out here to really help the homeopath see, you know, what is yeah. what is different about this case than, you know, the next case? And sometimes it's just about what's your favorite food, what kind oh, of body yes. temperature, mm. what are your sweating patterns? skin issues all of those you, you know bowel habits all of mm. those things that we just think are just normal and parents will say oh never really thought about it like that before mm-hmm. absolutely and um as you know how you said about uh, just asking you know kind of why they're doing it but a lot of these kids they don't really know why they're doing it and um and some of them might be non-verbal actually there might mm. be autism involved as well and so yeah. it can be really hard to sometimes know that information what sort of other questions would you ask families i know there's going to be people listening to this thinking oh mm. i didn't think about seeing a homeopath for my child's you know Tourette's what sort of other questions would you usually ask them one of the things i notice is especially when it's pans or pandas caused Tourette's Mm -hmm. and that's the one that I have the most success with Mm -hmm. I have to admit with the other type that's not brought on by pans I'm still doing a lot of kind of seeking around that but one of the biggest things that I notice with the pans onset Tourette's is that when they get sick when they get some kind of little illness it brings the tics and the symptoms on 10 times worse Mm -hmm. so that's something that they can look at and I also want to look at how they get sick how often and all of that kind of thing, what the snot's like. Mm. Uh, I want to know, you know, weird stuff like do they take all their clothes off and and show off their bits, Mm. which is a really weird question to ask. Mm. But for homeopaths it's really, really useful. And that's one of the remedies. You know, there's a few remedies in that list. Yes. I prescribed (laughs) hyoscyamus a few times myself. And with that remedy, there's usually, I always warn the parents and I'm like, I'm going to ask you something weird, but it's just that if your child, I just need to know if they, this will be an amazing remedy for them if they're, but usually with this remedy, there's some sort of almost sexual inappropriateness of some sort. So they will pull off their pants or they will get out their bits or they will rub themselves inappropriately on some piece of furniture. Mm -hmm. And whenever, like the parents usually don't want to bring it up themselves. And it's usually only the second or third consultation if I suspect, you know, high SIMS. And I think, oh, I'm going to have to ask this question because they're not bringing it out themselves. And then they'll go, oh, I didn't want to mention this too. But yes, the second they come home, they take their clothes off and, you know, rub themselves on the couch. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad you've shared that. This is a perfect remedy for you. And usually that's one of the things that will go when you prescribe that remedy, hey? And it's the best thing to hear, actually, <laughs> as a homeopath, because then you can go, oh, wow, that's, yeah, hi, else. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, amazing. What sort of other questions would you ask in a consultation? I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, because homeopathy is, uh, this is what I'm trying to get across with this podcast, is trying to help the clients to help us mm. to help them. So what sort of other information is going to be helpful for you to know? So what I normally start with is the pattern of the ticks. What sets the ticks off? What upsets the kid Mm. or the adult? That's really important, actually. Triggers. What kind of triggers do they have? And Mm. I know a lot of kids and adults are really uncomfortable talking about their triggers Mm. and their fears, but those kinds of things are really important. 
And also any traumas during pregnancy or the early years, Mm. they're really important. And I know a lot of parents are really reluctant to talk about traumas and things Mm. that they might perceive as having done wrong. Mm. But actually it's not that we're here to judge. So all Mm. of these weird questions that we're asking, it's not because we're here to judge. It's because we genuinely want to know it from a homeopathic point of view. So any perceived sort of mistakes in their parenting, it's not because of that kind of thing. It's because Mm. we want to know what sort of things have affected Mm. their, I guess, life wave Mm. to bring about this situation. And the more we can know about what's caused it, not just diseases and stuff like that, but also emotional underlying causes, Mm. that the better we can be prepared to delve into all of those details to make a good prescription. Mm. I know I sometimes see, I could see how hard it is for some clients to say, you know, what the society might, may have perceived as mistakes that they've made, mm. or once they become a little bit more crunchy and they realize how bad all the medications were they took in pregnancy and they don't really want to, you know, say that to the homeopath. I just wish I could make them understand that we have zero judgment. You know, we just want to help. And the other thing I always giggle, I'm like, it's not as if I'm perfect. I've done lots of stuff that I shouldn't have done. Like by no means am I perfect. And if there's ever that illusion, please, any of my clients, you know, I'm not going to share all the non-wonderful things that I've done in my life, but I'm not perfect either. So don't no. think by any means that my, my, I'm perfect or the things that I've done is perfect. We are just here to help and you will probably never find a space as safe as a homeopath's clinic. Absolutely. And another thing, actually, um, Eugenia, you make a really good point. A lot of my clients come in and they want to tell me about how well they're doing and how much they're Mm. changing their natural tendencies by working so hard on themselves, on their kids to to try and, I guess, compensate Compensate, for their natures. And as a homeopath, you know, I'm also a naturopath and nutritionist, so they get a pat on the back from that side of me. Mm. But from the homeopathic side of me, I want them in all their uncompensated glory. Glory. <laughs> I want to know if they feel like stabbing people. Mm. <laughs> I, I want to know if their kid gets to Woolies and immediately throws themselves face down and screams. Exactly. Or wants to smear themselves with chocolate or mm. poo paints. I want mm. to know all that stuff. Not mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where because, the gold is. Yeah, it really is, hey, because we have such good – I mean, we have got this excellent rubric in our repertory that says – uh, delusion he has been commanded by a mushroom to fall on his sword and kill himself so literally if you came into my <laughs> clinic and said oh my gosh Eugenie I don't know how to tell you this but you know this is going to sound really weird but every time I open the fridge door and I see the mushrooms I feel like it's telling me I have to go fall on a sword and kill myself I'll be like yes I have the perfect remedy for you it's agaricus <laughs> I thought it was agaricus yeah, so literally there's nothing you can tell us that will be too weird for us I'm still waiting after 10 years for somebody to tell me something that shocks me it yes, has me not too. happened yeah yeah the alien abductions and the, yeah, the- we have remedies for all that stuff yes we do that's amazing now penny we're going to have a quick little break and then we're going to come back and have a bit more of a chat and we're back from the break and penny you're going to be sharing with us some of the 
other treatments that uh, that you might be using with your clients with Tourette's and uh, ADHD, all of these more complex cases. Talk to us a little bit about what treatments may be involved. So with Tourette's, of course, it's not simple. And I usually include a few modalities. So being a nutritionist, homeopathy primarily, but nutrition secondary and herbs as well. Mm. So with those three, we usually cover a lot of bases. With homeopathy alone, what I see is that there are a lot of obstacles to cure nutritionally Mm. in a lot of these kids, especially when they've got leaky gut, when they're deficient in zinc, primarily zinc is a big one that they're deficient in. And when you're deficient in zinc, you've got low stomach acid, your nervous system just really isn't working that well. And not only that, uh, there's this thing that happens where your taste gets distorted when you're low in zinc. So zinc is one of the big ones that I find is really important. Mm -hmm. Uh, Often these kids there's this thing that happens when a woman is pregnant and then she get, gives birth. The baby is apparently high in copper because copper encourages new growth of blood vessels. So if the mum is deficient in zinc in the breast milk, there's not enough zinc to oppose the copper and balance it out. So a lot of these babies, especially in Australia where the soils are really low in zinc, mm-hmm. they've got high copper. And copper when it's too high, when you're not getting enough protein because you've got low stomach acid, the copper needs to be carried in this special protein backpack in the blood. But if you can't make that because your liver's under just fire from whatever toxins are in the environment and all kinds of other stuff, you can't make that copper carrier properly. So free copper is a nerve toxin. So if you're not getting enough zinc, you're just getting this spiralling out of control copper Mm. in the system. And I see that through hair analysis a lot with kids with Tourette's and also uh, heavy metal toxicity too. So that's one thing I really like to focus on is nutritionals, also magnesium. And there's a few different types of magnesium. The magnesium three and eight is a really good one for helping to reduce that muscle twitchiness Mm. and just also to help with reducing anger and tension and all of that kind of thing. There's also a whole lot of different other substances like NAC or N-acetylcysteine, which can help with that. That's a a precursor to our body's natural antioxidant, uh, glutathione. And often in these kids, they've got oxidation going on through the roof for whatever reason, as well as dealing with things like genetic issues. And that's not I wouldn't say that's a strong point of mine, but even just looking at things like pyrrole, Mm. which is a low zinc, high copper situation, or MTHFR and other methylation issues, Mm. where if the kid's not methylating properly, they're not able to easily break down their inflammatory substances Mm. a lot of the time. They're not easily able to detox very well. So from a nutritional perspective, I think all of those things are important and testing and making sure we know where that's coming from. Mm. Then there's gut healing. So looking at things like curcumin and and other substances to help heal the gut. Mm. Glutamine, really important. And just getting those minerals in so that the body can detox. Mm. And then also the constitutional remedy, which is what I will be asking a whole lot of weird questions about. Mm. Then... There's the Clio or the Clarodendron. Mm. So usually what I'll do if I'm treating 
from all of that perspective. And I know they often walk away overloaded with quite a few supplements. Mm. But at the end of the day, I don't know if my kid had this, I would rather have them on a whole lot of supplements and healing the gut and looking at the cause of what's Mm. going on Mm. rather than overloading them with pharmaceuticals. Mm. Which is just going to end up putting more strain on their liver and more, you know, just suppressing everything. It never actually heals. It doesn't heal the body. You know, if you're putting all those drugs in there, it just suppresses. That is the only job of pharmaceuticals is suppressing, not yeah. actually, you know, healing the body. And um, the amount of clients I've had who have um, had their kids on these drugs and they haven't really done much yeah. and then they've tried to take them off and their symptoms have just gone through the roof. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that's not spoken about enough is actually the withdrawal and the, you know, the withdrawal of trying to come off drugs and people are not warned enough no. before they get prescribed it. That listen, you are not going to be able to just come off this. It's going to be a super slow process and your body is actually going to go into withdrawal because of you suppressing all of this for so mm. long. Mm. And often like they need to go slower mm. than what the doctor recommends as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. I thought that was interesting that you said about the high copper because the homeopathic mental emotional picture of the remedy made from copper is all about control. And I thought that was really interesting. If you just think of the mental emotional picture involved in, you know, ticks and OCD and um, Mm. often, you know, that control element to it of, no, I have to do this. And then I have to do this. And then I have to do that. Otherwise this is going to happen or I'm not allowed to leave the house or, you know, this, it's very Mm. interesting. Yeah, it I, is, and actually, that whole copper thing as well of the um, or the whole tick thing of wanting to control ticks all day because that's what happens. They go out mm-hmm. into the world and mm-hmm. they feel the need to control all of their behaviours, and then yeah. they come home, and often the parents will will get it. That's actually, I mean, that's mm. something that we would ask in a consultation as well. I, you just made me think of one client of mine, yeah, exactly, yeah. where, you know, the mum says the teacher doesn't know what they're talking about because he doesn't tick at school all day. Yes. And then, you know, he comes home and it's just through the roof. And imagine the level of control that is needed for that child to suppress that tick all day long. And then, you know, that's not good in itself either. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Penny, have you got some cases that you'd like to share with us? Of mm. The first one, actually, I've written about in a blog that I wrote years ago. And the reason why I want to use that one is, well, first of all, I've had permission to be able to use it. But second of all, it was just such a beautiful case. And it was this little girl who had selective mutism and suspected autism. And she was doing these breakdance type movements Mm. like that. And it was really hurting her body and really getting in the way of of being able to socialise and being able to live her life. I think at the time when she came, she was about eight. Her parents brought her. She was on Catapress and a couple of other medications and the mum was really concerned about the side effects. Mm. So This child had had a lot of throat issues, like horrendous throat infections, and her tonsils were enormous. Mm. And I think the parents had done a lot of antibiotics and stuff like that. But the first onset of the throat infections was when all of this started coming on. 
before that there were signs of her possibly being autistic or or some kind of situation on the spectrum Mm -hmm. but uh it was only when she started getting these throat infections that the the ticks and everything else came on. She wasn't necessarily hugely aggressive, but super, super shy, used to hide behind her mum in all social situations, massive throat issues, uh, a lot of problems with making friends at school, although she would have friends. She had quite a lot of friends, but she'd run away from them Mm. and hide. She was a hot-bodied child, and this is where all that stuff comes in about temperature and thirst and things like that. Mm. She loved her food and used to love to drink lots and lots of cold, cold, cold water Mm. and crunch on ice, even though with the throat, often when she had the throat infection, she'd get a bit chilly, Mm. but super, super, super shy and had uh, quite a lot of learning difficulties as well. So... No confidence, throat issues, and actually this put me into a little bit of a spin because there's a remedy called baritacarb, which I was really veering towards, but it didn't quite fit the picture of the super, super thirsty Mm -hmm. and the ice. So I gave her baritafos because of that side of things, and it was really amazing. I was really surprised. This was quite early on in my foray into treating people with Tourette's and within I think three or four days the mum rang me and went it's gone and I'd also given a 1M Clio or Clerodendron Mm. to have weekly so the daily Baritifos or was it Baritifos it was one of the Mm Baritas and the weekly Clio so the Barita remedy settled down her uh, she she became a lot more confident. Mm. And the, the thing with homeopathy is it didn't make her normal, in inverted commas. Mm. She still had her tendencies. It just took the edge off. Mm. Uh, but she became, you could really see over the months that, that she came back, you could really see hear about her blossoming and mm. coming out of herself and starting to initiate contact with other people not hiding behind her mum so much. She stopped getting throat infections a while back, but after quite a while on the treatment, she started getting throat infections again. And actually that's another thing I want to bring up because the mum was freaking out and uh, I was like, wow, that is awesome. Mm. I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) And I said, it's an old symptom. And that's what you want. You want a return of old symptoms. You want the layers to peel off like an onion Mm. and get down to that kind of core of of what was finally happening. And, of course, we had to go a whole lot more gently then because we didn't want to switch on or or trigger massive Mm. throat infections, the poor kid. But after that massive throat infection, she just suddenly came out of herself Mm. and was doing things that she hadn't done in years. Mm. So it was this total kind of transformation Mm. basically and with the Clio was this whole management thing where she'd give the 1M Clio maybe there'd be a tiny little aggravation where things possibly got a little bit worse Mm. for a few hours and then it'd go away for say four or five days and then it'd start to creep back Mm. so a lot of the parents get into this pattern of recognizing when their kid 
has the ticks starting to creep back mm. and then they'd give another dose and sometimes mm. the m potency wouldn't work for certain kids so we'd try different potencies 10m you know mm. sometimes 200 but usually it's m and over that seems mm. to do the trick Ah, oh, that was such a beautiful case. And that also made me, it gives me, gives me goosebumps because this is why I do the podcast. I want the listeners to understand because homeopathy, I mean, homeopathy is in its core very, very simple, but mm. it is also very complex at the same time. And if you don't understand that when you see a return of old symptoms, you know, the client's got to think, what has this homeopath done to my child? They've broken them. You know, they used to have this stuff. Now it's all come back. But as a homeopath, we celebrate when we see that because it's showing mm. us that I always say a return of old symptoms is kind of like the body's way of bringing this old symptom to your consciousness and saying, hey, Penny, just so you know, I'm busy working on this right now. And then, you know, it will just go away by itself. So I always say to my clients, if that happens, it's just your consciousness bringing it to the forefront saying, hey, we're just busy healing this right now. Remember this thing from way back that you used to have? Just sorting this out for you right now, okay? Just so you know, and then you know it'll go back down. But if people don't understand that this is part of the healing process, it can really freak them out and make them not come back. Yes. I also love what you were saying. If you work, get to work with a client long enough, and I always try to empower my clients to take responsibility for their own health. So teaching them to recognize when a remedy works for them mm. and then get them to that point where they know when to use it because I can't be there 24-7 to answer all their questions. So they know that that clear 1M works for them. But for them also to know if that stops working, it probably yes. means we need to go up a potency and just getting them involved in that process. So that story that you shared is just, that was gold. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And also with this girl, she was doing so well, her parents decided to halve her dose of catapress. And I got this frantic phone call from the mum saying, everything's a million times worse. What are we going to do? Oh, my God. And it turned out to be because she'd gone into withdrawals. So we had to manage that very carefully. Mm. And it was like a bit of a dance mm. between the homeopathics and the catapress. And that's what I also love about homeopathy. I didn't use any herbs with her only nutritionals and homeopathy because she was on so many medications. I just didn't want to mess around with mm. anything. So many contraindications if you're heading in the direction mm. of herbs. Yeah. Herbs can often be a little bit too strong when you have a constitution that, that that's that weak mm. and you give somebody herbs and it just completely, you know, sends them over the top. I have a lot of very sensitive clients and they say they come yes. to me because homeopathy works for them. If they take any supplements or any herbs, it's too strong for their body. Mm. They need more gentle gentle methods and kids don't generally like herbs very no, much I, I mean most adults don't either but we at least know that herbs are good for us so we you know we can justify <laughs> taking it and i love herbs you know so i, I love them too in cheek, yeah <laughs> so penny what is the message that you want to get across for our listeners today one of the things that's really struck me about this whole journey and not just into ticks and Tourette's but into behavioural issues and all of those complex things that kids and adults go through is that they'll go to a doctor and they'll take drugs and they'll come to me and they'll say, those pharmaceuticals, they gave me side effects, they didn't really do much. I've been seeing this doctor for years mm -hmm. on and off and trying a million different things. I've really given it a good try and the doctor's been there for me and giving me all these things and none mm -hmm. of them or maybe some of them have worked and I've got these side effects. Then they go to a natural therapist mm -hmm. 
and they go once. Yeah, they expect them to fix them in one go. And they give it two weeks <laughs> yeah. for this really complex <laughs> issue and they come back and they go, it's done nothing. Mm. Well, mm. okay, that's a shame because sometimes we know that we get really amazing results but they don't give it another go. Mm. And I think I can totally understand that when they're potentially spending a lot of money Mm. on things. But what I would say to them is whoever you choose as a practitioner, fair enough if instinctively it just doesn't feel right yeah, or if you feel that they're a charlatan or whatever, Mm. you know, make sure you check it all out, make Mm. sure they're fully registered. Or you're not resonating with them. If it's not somebody that you feel that you can really share everything with. That's There's right. It's not that resonance there for no no other reason. They can be a great practitioner. They can be, you know, yeah. all your friends have gone to see them and everyone had great results, but maybe you just don't resonate with that practitioner. That's right. So there is that, mm-hmm. and I totally hear that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you're going to do something like that, commit to it. Yes. Give it a try. Throw yourself into it 100% mm-hmm. and give it a good three to six months. Mm-hmm. If you're getting no changes mm-hmm. after three months, then it's not for you and, it, and it's not for everybody. You know what? Six months minimum. Throw away the three months. Yeah. <laughs> Give them six months, please. And yes. you know what? If you're not getting results, be honest with your practitioner. Mm. Like we're actually not yes. that fragile. We can handle it. It's part of our training. We would rather <laughs> and- know. We would rather know so we have an opportunity to help you. Get in mm. touch with us if we found that it hasn't helped because, you know, that in itself gives us more clues as to how we can better help you. Yeah. And we're here to help. We we yeah. really, we want to help. We're, yes. This is what motivates us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, those cases that sometimes you don't get, I mean, it's great if you get somebody's constitutional first off and they're cured for life. But actually those tricky cases that you sometimes work on for years Mm -hmm. are sometimes the most profound and the most, you know, satisfying cases. And it's not, yeah, I I just find them really great. That's why I I love a challenging case. I have no issues with that. (laughs) And I have no issues if somebody comes back to me and say, look, what you gave me doesn't help or didn't help. And I'm like, okay, great. Let's, you know, let's dig a bit further. There's something else. If it's not working, Mm -hmm. it's just because we haven't dug enough. And um, Actually, and that's a good point too. The thing with kids too is that they're very closely intertwined with their parents. And actually I came across a little boy just recently who the mum put it down to changes in her cycle Mm -hmm. when he got, when his behaviour was stirred up. I was like, wow, that is so awesome. But she kind of said it as though she felt guilty for Mm. being cranky or whatever around those times. And I was like, no, this is awesome. This must be some karmic thing. Mm. Anyway, so I'm now treating the mum. That is so cool. That is so cool. <laughs> because the mum needs that support, first of all. Mm. It's and, and I said to her, where's the chicken, where's the egg in this situation? You know, mm. is that hormonal change that's causing all the upset, is that the chicken? Mm. You know, where is it at? And she said, well, it, yeah, I think that's kind of part of the cause. Well, all right, I need to treat you. And it's not about the mum feeling guilty or anything for or me doing something just... wrong or whatever nothing like that and I mean my belief system is that we choose to we choose our people that we incarnate within this world and we make yeah. soul contracts with our children so yes. you know my if I had a client like that all I would think about I would never think oh the mama's terrible that 
she causes her child to have this reaction. All I think is these two beautiful souls that make this soul contract to come into this world together and teach each other. When I hear that, that's what I see in my mind. These two souls decided to come into this, incarnate into this human form and teach each other something. So this is their contract they've made with each other. So. And I was so happy to hear that because it gave me an idea of causations and where to go next. Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. So, yeah, once again, if you tell us weird stuff, it's going to help us so much more. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we will not think you're weird if you say your child's ticks get worse when you have your period or before your period. That's just like a gold, like a little light of gold (laughs) for us. (laughs) Absolutely. Actually, there was another case I had recently where the kid had had no health issues. He was this perfect dream baby, Mm. never cried, Mm. was, you know, always laughing, and the mum actually had hardly heard him cry, Mm. didn't really know what it sounded like. Anyway, so she'd had a previous much older child to another man Mm. who had to move home, Mm. and this older brother was quite an angry person, and there were a lot more arguments in the house. And the child's, the little younger brother's ticks had come on when the older brother had moved home and there was a lot of arguing going on. Hmm. So there's this remedy, I'll just call it CAR. Mm -hmm. It's a very beautiful deep acting remedy. And one of the central themes of it Mm -hmm. is that they desire harmony. Mm -hmm. And if the harmony's broken, Mm -hmm. they just can't cope and this little one's ticks had come on mm. because of the disharmony because of all the arguing and the anger in the house mm. so I didn't actually give him Cleo because he responded really well to the car mm-hmm. you can say carcinosin we've mentioned it lots <laughs> oh all right I wasn't sure <laughs> no no it's fine it's been mentioned lots it's probably one of our most mentioned remedies do you know what's funny it's literally this week I have got a little boy who has got incredibly complex health conditions. He's probably Mm. my client with my most complex health conditions. And this mum was saying that he is always smiling. You know, he has the most terrible seizures. And the second he comes out of a seizure, he's smiling. And he's so he's always, and I said to her, you know, that's probably not quite right either. We need like a little bit of pushback. Like somebody, it's literally impossible for a human being to be happy all the time if they Uh, coming across that way, there's probably something else. And I said to her, you need that yin and the yang. You need the good and the bad. And so I have just given him carcinosin this week. And I I warned her, I said, you are probably going to get a little bit of pushback from him for the first time in his life. And you know, that's going to be so good. And she was so happy because she understands the process of homeopathy so well now. She was like, Mm -hmm. oh, I welcome that. That will be great. And it's going to be a really interesting process to see how he goes on this. But yeah, definitely. It's it's fascinating. (laughs) Oh, it's the best remedy, that one. I get quite a few kids who need that remedy and it just, it works beautifully. It does. Mm -hmm. I hand on heart, it is probably my most prescribed remedy in my decade of clinical practice. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever had an aggravation from that remedy. If I have, I can't think of it. I just find it is such a gentle remedy. I'm just trying to think. I don't know if I have either. It's my one. That, that, I find carcinosin and Ignatia. I just give it willy-nilly. I've never had any, you know, any aggravations, those two remedies at all. I just find them so, so gentle. Beautiful. And so deep acting and effective. So deep acting. Yeah. 
Penny, it has been super fun to chat with you today. Thank you so much for your time. And I really hope that today's message will bring a lot of hope to those families out there who have gone down the pharmaceutical route. They are not getting the answers they're seeking. They're seeing their child go downhill and they are wondering what else they can do. And if you are somebody listening to this and you have a friend who is going through this or a family member, please forward them this this episode, get them to have a listen. And hopefully this gives them that glimmer of hope that they need. Thank you, Eugenie. It's been a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Chat soon. Bye. Bye.